Good deal. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Make America Great Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. I also have my uh, trusty big giant red wine book here. Uh, and this is Pippin. He's probably going to be stealing from our glass tonight. <laughs> all right. Uh, Megan is over here lurking. Hi. <laughs> uh, she's one of my uh, co-hosts on the on the podcast. Gary couldn't make it tonight, and James couldn't make it either. But uh, I figured uh, uh, having a, I think there's only been like one episode where all four of us have been there anyway. Yeah. So it's true. kind of like, you know, whoever of my drinking buddies can come at any given time can uh, come along. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you for uh, joining me. I'm sorry it took long to, uh, let me try that sentence again. I'm sorry it took me so long to respond to your original email. Uh, I had forgotten the password to my uh, account associated with the podcast uh, during a whole no big deal. Uh, COVID thing. And then I just said, oh, I need to look at that and check that. And then anyway, I've also been kind of on COVID hiatus for recording and everything. So anyway, I apologize for all that. No worries, not a problem. Now we've got that all underway. Welcome to uh, joining, uh, welcome to joining. I swear I can grammar good. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even been drinking, but probably what you'll find is that my grammar improves the more I drink. Oh God. I'm pretty sure my stage appearance improves if I drink. (laughs) (laughs) Turn it up at all. Uh, I guess I can turn it up. Okay, I'm like, I'm deaf, I can't hear. What? Do we need to get closer so you can hear us better, or? No, it was my, my laptop was on a very low volume. Come on, Pippin. Come on, Pippin. Pippin, sweetie. Because this is on our crummy little, uh, cell phone, so we don't know how well it's going to work. That's okay. Uh, I know a sound wizard, so. <laughs> and if he can't wizard it, then, uh, so it goes. But, uh, welcome to, uh our awesome guest stars from uh, Fantastic Wyoming. Just keep talking. I'll yeah. Talk <laughs> 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 Fantastic guest stars uh, from Wyoming. Uh, I don't remember your wife's name though, Tim. I have not introduced her yet. This is my wife, Alicia. Hello. A-L-I-S-E. Hi. How are you guys tonight? We are well. Good. That's good. So I thought we'd start off with the Frontenac Gris. So okay. it's Let's see if I can find. We got ours. Frontenac Gris. Nice. I love the little Does made Wyoming the sticker. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Does yours have the plastic, the fancy plastic lid? Yeah. They're the only place where I have seen that. Uh, there's a winery in Oklahoma that did this, uh, Whirlwind Winery, but they're the only other ones I've seen that. No, no, Del Rio Springs does it too, uh, and they're here in Arizona. Satisfying pop, though. Patrick, is it? what's that? It's a satisfying pop, though. It is. The guy, the guy Patrick Zimmerer, who, who makes this wine, he, uh, he 
claims he got this from uh, some company in Australia that came up with it. Huh. The lid. Oh, okay. <laughs> All righty, guys. Cheers. Cheers. That is an interesting smell. It definitely smells hybrid. Yeah, it's it's definitely got that sort of foxy hybrid character. Yep. Yep. Kind of musty. Musty. So, what's the what's the growing situation like in Wyoming? Really short growing season. We have we have a lot of uh, early frosts. We have a lot of late frosts, and then it gets really hot from mid June to late August. So once it warms up, the grapes grow like crazy, and they usually don't even have trouble hitting the bricks that they need. But it's a really really cold winter. So if you can get through winter okay, and then get a bud break that doesn't freeze off, you get a pretty good season really. Do, does anybody like bury their vines under the earth to keep them safe during the winter or? Some people try to, but that hasn't worked real great. Usually what they end up doing is just switching over to a cold hardy cultivars like the Frontenac. Frontenac's fine. It survives winters. I've had a good, no, that wasn't in our Minnesota blend. That was Markel Foch, Marquette, like and uh, Something else. I had a Frontenac from somewhere. A lot of dehydrated, dehydrated fruit on the nose. Mm -hmm. Like dehydrated pineapple. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of like regular apple, but it's kind of yeasty too. Yeasty pineapple, um, dehydrated pineapple and yeah, um, like that's a good apricot and what's this other fruit I'm getting? Mango? Maybe. There's like a something. No. Yeah, it's totally musty. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Pippin. Pippin has to have his taste. Mild alcohol. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. It is. What year was yours? Mine uh, is 2016. What vintage is yours? It's actually aged better than, than I expected. I was expecting... Huh. Um, I... Potentially undrinkable just by age, because some whites don't age. It's it is what it is, but it seems like the acidity is held up. But also, there is a little bit of residual sugar. I feel like here. It did, I read the description and didn't mm -hmm. say it was going to be like it had a bit of a sweetness to it, but it's not as sweet as I was expecting it to be based on the way that it's worded on the. Description. Yeah, they call it a semi-sweet, but it's almost just an off dry. It's yeah, yeah it's really not as sweet as I was expecting. Maybe it went away from age. Could be. I mean, that's the case with a lot of uh, later harvest Rieslings. As they get older, uh, the sugary sweetness is replaced with more like a fruit sweetness. And I feel like I'm getting more of a fruit sweetness on the palate. What do you guys yeah. think? Definitely that. Yeah. I'd say it's a lot of fruit characteristics adding to the sweetness. It's hard to tell if it's even actual sugar or if it's just the really for fruit forward characteristics that it has. It kind of tastes like honey to me. Like I it does have a real honey yeah, character. There's a lot of honey on this. Pippin, you have already oh. had your sip. You cannot have another. You're not allowed. Pippin's allowed one sip per taste. 
He is, because otherwise he turns into a raging mad drunk and starts flying at people. And biting. <laughs> and biting. Yeah. Yeah. He's an angry drunk. So Pippin, yes. Pippin is an angry drunk. <laughs> But of course, I would end up with the bird who who's become a wine snob. Yeah, this is true. So, how I ended up getting this bottle is is a, a fantastic story in and of itself because they don't ship to Arizona. So, oh. what I ended up doing, uh, this was almost a year ago, two years ago, maybe now. It was a while ago. This is before I moved to Bisbee. Um, but they shipped to Maryland, basically. And my godson and his family live in Maryland. And so I'm like, hey, can you watch some wine for me? Uh, I'll pick it up and bring it home with me the next time I'm there. And in return, I'll also order you a bottle uh, from their stash that's for you as payment. And they're like, oh, darn, sure, twist my arm. That just sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up uh, having it shipped to Maryland, flying out to Maryland in midsummer, got the word basically just before I went out to visit him that I had lost my original job at a winery that started here and where I am now in Jerome. So it's like, surprise, here's all this wine that we've shipped here to you for you to watch that you can't drink and enjoy and you need it right now because depression. <laughs> so it's like, oh, look at all this wine I get to stare at. Um, so it was like uh, this bottle, the uh, Frontenac um, and uh, some wine from, excuse me, Pippin, Vermont, but anyway, so I, I I had to go a little bit of the round ways to get this, but uh, it is here now and we're drinking it and that's fantastic. So what was your first awesome. encounter? <laughs> so what was your first encounter with Wyoming wine? First encounter, it would have been Table Mountain. Yeah, it would have been these guys. These. We, we started doing our research a couple of years ago because we're planning on, you know, having our own vineyard and winery and all that. So we drove around to the nearest places we could find. Table Mountain was one of the first on the list. So we, and they're only like yeah, an they're, hour they're and close, a half north. Yeah, so us. we drive straight north for an hour and a half. And we met this guy, the guy who owns it's name's named uh, Patrick Zimmerer. He's a nice guy. He was more than happy to give us his tips and tricks in the trade and tried, you know, we tried his wines and everything. That was a couple of years ago. And, and really, I don't know. It it was it wasn't a lot different than all the other vineyards as you start heading east in Nebraska because you kind of get a lot of the similar grapes. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Nebraska is, has kind of a thriving industry. I've, my favorite Chamberson I've ever had was from Nebraska, and I normally hated Chamberson, and then I discovered that the reason I hated it was because everyone was aging it in American oak. And this winery had one in French oak, and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. What is it? Chamberson? I'm like, what? <laughs> and of course, I had just packed up all of my suitcases, and this was on my way to the airport. Um, and I was with someone I was dating at the time. So it's like, oh, well, when I marry her and move out here, because we had just gotten engaged, 
you know, I'll have plenty of time to get more Chamberson from this winery. And that didn't fail. That didn't go so well. <laughs> yes, that's right, Pippin. He just gave a little chortle and laughed. <laughs> Chamberson, it's too cold where we are to grow Chamberson. Yeah, so, so what, are, what is the weather like in uh, Wyoming where you're growing? Today? <laughs> Today, a high of 46 with 40 mile an hour wind. Um, it was, it's... It's terrible. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So uh, for important things for a grower to know, your last frost is going to be on average May 15th. Your okay. first frost will be September 15th. So September 15 to uh, May 15 to September 15 is roughly your growing season. You can also expect at least maybe uh, half a dozen nights below 20 below Celsius and some nights occasionally dipping into 30 below. With wind chill factors down in the 60 below zero Fahrenheit range because usually it blows like crazy when it's doing this. So it's tough. The only, yeah. the only varieties that are really realistic are ones that are the hybrids developed out of, you know, like the University of Minnesota or the grower, um, Elmer Swenson. He came yeah, up with a lot of them. Swenson varietals. Swenson varietals. And a new guy, well, he, he sort of took over what, what uh, Swenson was doing. Tom Quatcher, he came up with a lot of varieties that you can do here. I'm not as familiar with him. I don't think I've even after, after heard of him. I mean, Elmer Swenson is uh, someone I'm vaguely familiar with. Uh, uh, vaguely familiar with, and I, I would like to do at some point a deep dive on him because his influences, well, basically without him, there would be no cold weather viticulture anywhere in the world, let alone America. Mm -hmm. And he's the reason why people are able to grow in places, you know, like Sweden. <laughs> yep. So... Yeah, he, he's really the, the unsung hero of American viticulture, but uh, yeah. not many people know about him. But this other gentleman, he said Tom Blotcher? Tom Blotcher, P-L-O-C-H-E-R. Oh, Tom Blotcher. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him at all. He's got a, I think he does most of his research in Hugo, Minnesota, but he's developed um, a couple of brand new varieties that are just going to start coming out that you'll see. Um, there's one, one is uh, crim, uh, Crimson Pearl. Is Crimson Pearl a plotcher? Hmm. I think it is. And uh, Verona, V-R-O-N-A, after the Verona region in Italy. Huh. Which the Verona one, we're really excited about, and we planted a bunch of it. It's supposed to have similar tannin structure to, to even, um, oh, above Pinot Noir and more like a Merlot tannin structure. Ooh. And for us, variety that's almost unheard of so it could it could be revolutionary for the cold for the uh cold grape growing industry yeah uh, and things like marquette you can get tannins from but they're not as as cold hardy as some of these other guys right yeah marquette doesn't do so well with the secondary buds it so if you end up with a late frost and they like but they bud break early too they'll they'll start throwing out buds in this area you know early mid-May, so it's not uncommon to have a late frost take out your entire crop. 
Weirdly enough, your latest frost is on average the same as our latest frost in Arizona, um, right around Mother's Day weekend, which is weird. Um, but Arizona is, of course, it's its own weird thing. Um, but we don't have the the early frost problem. <laughs> uh, our our earliest frost is usually January. No, no, October, November. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was. I should have realized quicker. I mean, I feel like in the past it used to be that late, though. Yeah. It's, Nowadays, it's changed. It kind of does what it wants. I, I notice as this opens up, there's a definite minerality character coming out, which is really fun. Yeah, um, sort fun. of like flint uh, or, or almost sand. But, uh, you know, yeah. geology miner licked, licked a lot of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, leads me tangentially to lead to the other reason I know Wyoming and the other reason that a lot of people know Wyoming. Uh, how far are you guys from, say, like Como Bluff and all those big uh, dinosaur sites? Oh, gosh, there's an archaeology center in our town. Yeah. And then Dinosaur Colorado is, what, an hour and a half away? And then there's also archaeolo there's archaeological sites all within an hour of us where they did big finds, like lots of, you know, T-Rexes and all sorts of fun stuff. Nice closer to the west side of the state. The west side, which which is what? What was the one you were asking? Como Bluff, that's the one I know best. Como Bluff. I think that's down by Rollins. Over by Rollins? Mm -hmm. So that'd be three hours, four hours? Yeah. But anyways, we still have them scattered <laughs> all along the state here, so. I'm thinking when I do the, the photo for this podcast, I need to uh, bring out some of my toy dinosaurs and stack them around the bottles. There you uh, go. Because Pippin would just try to drink everything, and even though he is a dinosaur. <laughs> see, he's already starting to have too much, and he's already very engaged nibbling my finger. <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired you to start growing and start your own vineyard? What inspired us? How we like wine. <laughs> That's a good reason. Uh, the challenge, probably, to do something that somebody else hasn't really done here. Yeah, the wine industry in Wyoming is definitely a, it's, it's a pioneer region. You know, there's, right now there's only two wineries in the state of Wyoming producing. One of them started Table Mountain. They started almost 20 years ago, but back then the variety choices weren't real great. So he's, he's planted in a lot of stuff that's really challenging in a winery. And then there's some folks who started about what they started in 16, 15, I don't know, 15, five years ago. And they've got some of the new varieties that are coming out that make it a little easier, but really there's just not much here. And we, we thought the challenge of it was really enticing. And then and then we love wine. We like, I, I have a job that lets me do a lot of international travel. So Gosh, we're able to taste. terrible. It's so, you know, it's so hard. <laughs> it lets us taste a lot of wines in different countries and experience the whole culture thing. And it, it really inspired us to just try to do something really cool in our region. I like that. Yeah, the, the only other 
third winery I know of is in Jackson Hole, and they're bringing in all their fruit from. It's all California. California. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, you know, if you have to bring in your own fruit, great, but you shouldn't call yourself a, you know, Wyoming winery or an Arizona winery or a Minnesota winery or a wherever winery, Illinois winery, if you're bringing in fruit from elsewhere, it's. Yeah. True. And, and that's, uh, that's what we're really going for. We're, we're definitely focused on the whole estate grown, estate distributed, you know, the local product from this area. I, I think that it's going to, I think it's got a lot of promise, especially because of all the work that those universities and, and Fletcher and Swenson did to, to make it even possible to grow grapes here. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, like I said, they are, they are the heroes of uh, viticulture mm -hmm. uh, for cold weather. Okay. You have a, more additional thoughts about uh, our white? I'm being attached. I'm being attacked by a bird. Stop biting me. Come on, Pippin. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Sweetie. No, I don't. I mean, honestly, in general, like, I, I think we kind of covered it. I, I actually really enjoy this, though. I kind of, I wasn't really sure what to think about it, especially with semi-sweets and stuff, but it's really nice. I feel like it's got a really good balance. Now, did I remember to mark the page with Frontenac? Probably not. No, I didn't. That's what you were just doing. Uh, I was, oh, and then I got distracted. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's the attention deficit. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> when, so you guys have already started planting stuff? We planned, we did our first planting in 2018. Okay. And then we did another one this last spring. Okay, cool. For 2019? Nice. 20, 2019. We did our first planting in 2019. 19 Sorry. and 20 plantings. In 20. Now we have just over an acre. We've got like an acre and a quarter planted now. Okay. Nice. And cool. We've gotten, you know, a couple of grapes here and there. Our Marquettes and Itaskas produced a couple of grapes, but we pinched them off. It was just too early. It was hard to do, but it's a little too early in the growing process to keep everything. Yeah. Yeah. Next year. Uh, and not only that, uh, next spring. You know, if you get those harvests early, then uh you risk the the risk. Uh, you risk the the real probability that uh, your vines aren't going to really take hold because now they're going to be more concentrating on producing fruit instead of sinking those roots into the soil. And I think that take that affects the the quality and, and taste. Yep. Which is another challenge in Wyoming is the moisture too, because we get in our region right here in southeast Wyoming we get roughly fifteen to sixteen inches of precipitation a year. So it's, it could be possible to dry farm, but everybody here does irrigate. I'm going to yeah. do some experiments, see if we can dry farm, but it's not much moisture. No, I mean, we, we have that same problem here in Arizona and the rain when it comes is almost never anymore. Yeah. We, yeah this we year was uh, winter, right? We get the monsoons and the winter rains, but this year we didn't get any monsoon to speak of. Yeah. We only got about four inches, well, not even four inches, like two inches the summer. Normally, we get about seven inches in the summer and then seven inches in the winter, okay. more or less. The summer was real bad. I'm pretty sure we got more rain in the last, like, two weeks just now than we got all summer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could see yeah, that in some parts of the state, for sure. Some parts, anyways. I mean, it actually rained at my house. Like I live not too far from here, about where some of our like northern you know wineries are at, and yeah, we got more rain probably yeah 
Like one big storm that came through, and that was probably more than we got all summer. I saw no rain at my house all summer, so wow. awful. Yeah, <laughs> okay, all right. I come know. on, Pippin, okay. Pippin, Pippin, come on, Pippin, come on, Pippin. I have a small fear of birds, so you know. Pippin just wants to, uh... and he knows that, and he's like, "I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just be on her shoulder at all times. <laughs> so don't mind me and the faces I'm making. I'm just like, oh god." <laughs> 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 come on, Pippin. Come on, come on. Come on. Sweetie, 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 please. Sweetie, please. Just let him go. Okay. Deal with it for a second. Now he's going to go check. There we go. So that gives him a distraction. Yes. So apparently, uh, according to um, Genesis Robinson et al. Uh, Frontenac Gris is just a color mutation of Frontenac. Uh, it's not right. really a separate varietal per se. No. Um, Frontenac started as a, a noir. They originally grew it and they were all a deep, deep purple pigment, but they had uh, Gris and Blanc, which were random mutations come off of the Frontenac noir. Interesting. Okay. So, um, before we go to the red, Megan, of course, I need to give her her moment. Uh, the what? You've got to talk about the label and what you oh, think about no, it. I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Well, that's you're you're our judgmental <laughs> graphics designer. I am the judge. So I will give you <laughs> this. Come on, Pippin. Meanwhile, I will. I don't know the right. Is it not a name? I think so. No. But, uh, We're supposed to know who the horse is or who the horse and rider are. You're supposed oh, to. Right. <laughs> supposed uh, to. Who's the rider? Who's the horse? The horse is steamboat. Okay. I'm like I don't. I know nothing. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like. So yeah, he makes me judge labels. Um, but uh, because no, it's I mean, hilarious. <laughs> I do so, so like you said, the Made in Wyoming sticker, I kind of I, I appreciate that. I think that's a nice little touch on there. Um, but uh, I like the YWO wine kind of thing. I the, like it looks like it's supposed to be a brand on the horse, which I kind of appreciate. Um, I don't mind this label. It's not the most exciting. But okay, so the, I'm guessing the horse and rider is is something specific to the state then. Yeah, that, that that symbol is very Wyoming. It's on everything. It's on okay. the university. It's on the license plates. It's, they put it on everything. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. I feel famous. like it's, it's something I've seen before. No. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I think for you know, I think it's a good label for for that sort of situation. <laughs> he is very desperately trying to get into the wine right now. <laughs> Desperation is real. <laughs> um. Pippin, you're super thirsty. I think it could be a little more fancied up, but I don't mind it. Yeah, I like it. I like the wine. I like the, yeah, the wine's nice. And yeah, I I admit. I would drink this again. I, so when I go into these episodes and podcasts and get wine, I tend to, tr I try to have no, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, expectations. There we go. Because if I expect something amazing, then uh, it's not like uh, I, I learned this after uh, the first season episode for uh, 
Virginia Viognier because Viognier is the state grape of Virginia and we tasted a really abysmal Viognier. Of course, I found out later that it really was the worst Viognier in the state uh, <laughs> by a friend of mine. And so since then, I've tried to not have any expectations. Uh, and this is really nice. This is a bottle I definitely would get again and drink again. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, definitely. No, I like this. I know that's what I was just saying. I'm like, I would drink this again. Like, this is actually, um, I really wasn't, yeah, again, no expectations, but I wasn't sure what to even think because I don't know if I've ever had, well, the Frontenac name, it sounds familiar. So I I'm think not really we sure had a, a red had. Frontenac at some point in season yeah. one. I don't remember which state. I'd have to look at the, the show notes and stuff. But we've not had a Frontenac Gris. Yeah. So Frontenac Gris is tricky in our area. It's a really tricky one. So How so? The acid on it is usually really high. So you'll you'll taste it and just pucker most of the time. So you'll have to see how this. Hmm. Huh. That actually. See, I tend to like higher acid whites because I'm a sucker for punishment. Uh... <laughs> Come on, Pippin. Pippin, if you don't stop being difficult, I will try to put you in your cage and that will take 30 minutes and that will make us all angry. We don't have time for Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're weird. <laughs> so we were not able to find a red table mountain. We found a White Table Mountain blend. Oh, I also have a Frontenac from Mustang Mountain, but that's a different that's a winery. Different. So maybe we should do that on a different podcast. Well, Mustang Mountain is still uh, still Wyoming. Well, then let's crack yeah. it open. We can compare these two Frontenacs side by side. All right, I will pour some. We disappear. Unless you're unless you're saving it for a particular reason. No, I drank most of it. Yeah, it's almost gone. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly you liked I it. I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. I really enjoyed it. I have to say, I'm... There we go. At first, I wasn't sure how I felt about this particular topper, but seeing how well that uh, 2016 aged... Uh, there might be something to it. There might be. Yeah, but... <laughs> Now, apparently it's oh actually the zork they call it the zork, zork. it's they a zork. Call it a zork a zork a zork all right then very good i have different glasses for this in retrospect i don't know why i was trying to drink all of my white other than i liked it Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when I have separate glasses prepared for, for the Frontenac. Oh. Oh. Um. Going back to uh, our Frontenac grief for a moment, what I feel like I want to pair it with is honestly like a nice like roast Cornish game hen or uh yeah. Or uh, like a ginger chicken. I think that would work really well for that. It's definitely a, a uh, like roast chicken type of pairing, I think. What do you, what would you pair it with? 
Yeah, lean protein. Uh, really lean proteins. Turkey or turkey. turkey. It would go well turkey, with turkey. Yeah, actually. Probably not a fatty fish. Yeah. That, but okay, turkey down. Roast turkey down. Thanksgiving wine. Thanksgiving wine. Along with your other four, five, six bottles that you bust open that night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this smells like straight up herbs. Mine does. Anyway, it's definitely got lots of the berry, berry nose, and it's the color is inky black. It's, it's definitely some of the darkest pigmented wine that I've seen. getting berries yet on mine i'm gonna let it open up but i'm getting a lot of like basil and oregano yeah. a little bit of geranium say, which i know is note. which i know geranium is supposed to be a wine flaw but i like that scent in my wine because i'm weird it's a wine flaw? It, I, I guess it is i heard somewhere yeah. like geranium is like an ox an oxygen geranium or, uh, it's, or something. To, uh, it's a malolactic fermentation byproduct if you uh, oh, okay. overdo your hand, you can get some. And then as it opens up, I'm getting a little bit of cranberry. I can see that. Those are just berries. Berries all the way. It's like blackberries and elderberries and wet wood. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wet wood isn't really a forest floor. Forest floor, yeah, it's definitely got the forest floor on, on this one. I get enough some forest floor in this one too. It's a bit of a baking spice kind of note too. Like I get the other spices you're talking, but I get kind of a almost like nutmeg or cinnamon. Or I something. could see that too. Come on, Pippin. Pippin, if you stay with me, I'll let you have another drink. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to open up. This one uh, I don't feel has aged as well. I'm getting a little bit of uh, discoloration around the rim, which is, uh, you know, Absolutely. as, you know, the, the bricking color. Yeah, it's oh, turning a little is, garnet on you. Yeah, this is a, a 16 as well, I think. Okay. Very Christmassy, I feel like. Oh, there's the fruit on the palate. Again, lots of fruit on the palate. On the nose? No, on the palate. I can see that too, Pippin. I'm gonna try and steal my wine now. <laughs> Children, right? <laughs> you got ours to lay down for naps for this. Yeah. Nice. I wish I could do that for Pippin sometimes. <laughs> there, here, go on the go on the keyboard and play around. Of course, he's like, no. Yeah. But you're right, this color is really dark. It still turns. I've heard that with the hybrids, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble keeping the, the red pigment. It likes to go garnet as it ages. Okay. I could see that. Although ours is still, this was a, this was only an 18. Yeah, this was only an 18 and it's still 
it still has almost a dark purple color to it. There's, yeah, the, no light comes through. I apologize one moment. If you want to, one Pippin. You are being a problem child, we must put you to bed. I'll be right back. As I spin around in a circle. <laughs> it's a little stay. crazy sometimes. <laughs> you gotta stay here. You gotta... It's not gonna work. I know. We always listen to those podcasts and wonder how the audio editing goes. I suppose most of them are probably like this, aren't they? Yeah. Hey. Well, and I've never, I don't think, I haven't been here for a recording for this with the with Pippin here so yes, far. Yes, we did. When? We did a Nebbiolo deep dive. Oh, with the Barolo that's right. and the one from Mexico. And that was a long time ago. Jeez. It wasn't that long ago. It was a few months. <laughs> Okay, I guess it was a long time ago, but I haven't posted that one yet because I only just now started editing it. So you guys are drinking the same one or the Frontenac or No, we're drinking a we're drinking a front it's still a Frontenac Noir, but it's from northern Wyoming and not southeastern Wyoming. Oh okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you had the same one because I thought you said you didn't find it. So um I couldn't oh. find it, but I did find something similar. Okay. It was grown. It was grown in Wyoming, and it's from it's from another vineyard called Mustang Mountain. That is in Lovell, which Lovell is in the desert on the north central part of Wyoming. They get approximately no inches of water per year. Oh, so, <laughs> it's, I don't know, maybe like five. It's as, it's at least as dry as as the Phoenix area. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds that sounds pretty accurate down there. I couldn't get him in the cage, so I settled for the next best thing, food to distract him. Distraction. Food distraction. Hmm. I admit, this is I don't... definitely a high acid wine as yeah. far as... Yeah. It's really fruity. I'm getting higher acidity, lots of fruit. I will say that between these two, I think I like the Frontenac Gris more. And that kind of surprised I me. I thought it'd be the I other way around. I think it's, I don't know. I have a suspicion that the the characteristics of the grape, the, you know, the Frontenac grape, it's a really high acid and it's got a lot of uh, fruit forward characteristics on the palate and then some, I don't know, like dehydrated fruit on the nose and everything. It just lends itself better to a, to a white wine. So... Yeah. yeah, I can see that. that. It's just very. You know, we have we have a lot of Frontenac Noir in the ground, and and I plan on doing either a a port style with it, or Ooh. maybe that'll be good. Actually, the whole port thing—that's a cool story. What we want to do in yeah, our in us. our same town, we <laughs> we've got a a distillery. And actually, the reason I figured out about your podcast, I. I heard you guys doing a, you did a Wyoming podcast on uh, whiskey. What was that? Yeah, it was the Wyoming whiskey. So there's a distillery in the same town that we're in. Our town's tiny. It's like a thousand people. So, but they set up a, a 
distillery that does mostly malted barley because the the owners are barley farmers but they um oh they 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 experiment with all sorts of different things that they ferment that they ferment i don't know they've done corn and barley they make they make something they call vodka and it's out of barley i'm not sure if that works or not (laughs) that's that's what they do so what we want to do is partner with this distillery here in our town and have them turn our Frontenac into a into a brandy and then and then we can take the brandy that's our Frontenac brandy and put it back into the Frontenac uh, wine and make a, a fortified port style wine. That's really so I think cool. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. So we'll definitely get a hold of you again when that comes out because that Ooh, should be yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh my God. Hmm. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I like a good port style wine there. They're a lot of fun and they don't get a lot of love anymore. I've noticed. No. Which is unfortunate. Frontenac, the Frontenac Noir just seems, I don't know. It seems perfect for that to me. I don't know. Oh yeah. I will say my immediate thought on what I want to pair this with is a cheeseburger. <laughs> I mean, I know yeah, I yeah. had one not too long ago, but it's just like, <laughs> I feel like uh, the high acidity would work well with a juicy cheeseburger, honestly. Um, at least for, for yeah, the one I've got in my glass. Because I don't want to pair with something heavy like a steak. I just don't think it would work well with steak. I want it with cheesecake, honestly. <laughs> what kind of cheesecake? It's like a regular cheesecake. It reduced it down into the sauce you poured this over the top of the regular cheesecake and then had this Ooh, because this one's really like this is really fruit forward so like this almost seems kind of sweet to me like there's not much dryness happening here so i don't know and i get like some nice baking spice like i don't know this just feel like yeah as a sauce poured over it that'd be good (laughs) this go with yeah this thing because the beef would be too heavy. I think this could go well with a with a roast lamb leg. That could work okay. too. Now, uh, on the note of high winds, and this is What's going that? back about five conversations ago, uh, on the note of high winds, do you have problems with shatter out there on your grape clusters? Not really. Oh. The one thing we do have going for us is we don't really have problems with shatter. We don't really have problems with Botrytis. We have no disease pressure, no fungus pressure. It's mostly just the cold. That's pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. Considering in Arizona, we've got Towards all the, of those. You know, the heat problem. After about August, after and well after Verasion, it cools off enough. We have about a month of cool periods for the grapes to finish out. So there really isn't a shatter problem so much. Nice. You just need to make sure you get those grapes picked before you get the blizzard that blizzard. happens September 15th or whatever. Uh, have you guys thought about doing an ice wine at some point, speaking of random blizzards in September? Yeah, yeah. We, we chose to do uh, St. Pippin for our ice wine. So we have a 
we have a bunch of St. Pepin in the grounds. St. Pepin is a white grape that was developed by Swenson. That was a Swenson. It was a Swenson. And it's supposed to have really good berry retention after hard frost. So, oh. And if the thing that we'll have to do here is our weather gets a little, little bit weird after like October, November, we have one week it'll be high in the 50s, 60s. The next week it'll be five degrees. So it'll, it leaves our harvest window kind of narrow. It's like, oh, well, it's super, super cold this week. We better go pick. Yeah. But we're going to, yeah. That would be fun. You hear that, Pippin? So it is almost your name. <laughs> so you guys are out there harvesting when it's like five degrees outside? That's the plan. Well, oh, my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Really good insulated coveralls and a good hat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. I would cry. <laughs> so we're also doing this whole, uh, we're trying to do a, uh, we haven't gone for the organic cert because right now our laws in the United States with organic winemaking is silly because you can have organically grown grapes and then you go and bottle them and you throw a little bit of uh, potassium metabisulfite on them like everybody does and they won't certify it organic. So you can have yeah. organically grown grapes, but not necessarily an organic wine. And Most organic wines don't age well. So we haven't gone this for the true. organic cert, but we're trying to do a as close to organic or i i don't really want to say uh oh what's the new natural the new thing that they're doing the, the natural wine thing yeah, is the the natural biodynamic wine thing where you take the cow horn yeah, yeah biodynamic, biodynamic where you take the cow horn under the full moon and we're not <laughs> we're not we're not quite there but but the idea is that we're trying to do you know we stay away from Pet from pesticides and herbicides and all that. So we have a whole, uh, uh, we run chickens in the vineyard to keep the bugs down and we're gonna run, we have a sheep farm too and we'll run the sheep through the vineyard for weeds and all of that. But where was I heading with that? Oh, the weather thing. So yeah, we, anyway, we have a bunch of chickens. So we were doing chicken processing yesterday and it was 25 degrees and 50 mile an hour yeah. winds. So, so yeah, the weather here is, it's difficult. It makes things hard. So, but yeah, you know, you grow up and you learn how to work with it. So you guys grow up in Wyoming? Yes. Yeah, both of us are locals. Now you got to be pretty tough. Uh, we're, to... we're high school sweethearts. Aww. Sorry. Yeah, we, we are. Make I always for us. started thinking <laughs> um i don't know it's not necessarily tough you just have to grow up in it and then it doesn't yeah. seem tough it's just the way it is yeah you just don't know better <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah you, you don't know any better it's normal <laughs> so that makes yeah yeah i mean i guess that's kind of how we are about the heat around here because we well, i know I, I grew up in arizona you did too pretty much yeah so you know for us it's like oh whatever i'm like yeah it's 115 out whatever yeah. whoop you do drink more water <laughs> yeah <laughs> We have, uh, I have, our company has a customer of in down, down in Phoenix and it, so I've, I've done some travel down there and it's, I thought 110, it was 110 when I was down there and I thought that was bad. So I don't know. 
people are always like, oh, well, it's a dry heat. Yeah, well, so is fire. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so is the inside of an oven. Yeah, I mean, that's what it feels like, you know, it's like walking outside. It's, it's very similar to opening the oven and just getting blasted in the face. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It's, you know. I <laughs> but uh, the good part is in Phoenix now, there actually are some uh, urban tasting rooms. So next time you're, you're dragged to Phoenix, uh, you can visit a few tasting rooms down there. And uh, most of the okay. wineries you know in Arizona do industry from? discounts. So, you know, bring a couple winery business cards and cool. you're good. Pippin is. Are they producing grapes there? Or that is like the Wyoming case where they're importing from California? No, actually, most of our grapes now are being grown in Arizona, we've got three major growing regions. <laughs> we've got uh, Wilcox on southeastern Arizona. Uh, there's Sonoida Elgin, and then there's here in the Verde Valley too. Um, but to my knowledge, all of the wineries in Phoenix, except for one, soon to be two, are all Arizona grown grapes. So okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so you should definitely try some stuff next time you're out. Uh, you know, let me know and we'll long do. enough in advance that maybe I can pop down to Phoenix and uh, hang with you guys. How far are you from Phoenix? I am about uh, two, hours. two hours from the airport. An hour, and a half. Well, an hour and a half from the airport, probably. Hour 45 minutes from the airport. Depending on traffic. So not all that far away, really. And actually, we're the closest wine region to Phoenix yeah. up here. And arguably the best. Uh, at least so in terms are you of, north uh, of Phoenix, I'm sorry. Are you north of Phoenix? Yes. Which direction? Okay, I figured. So up towards closer to the mountains. Mm hmm. All right. Go on, Pippin. Go back to snack. Go back to your snack. Good. No, no. So what are uh, all the varietals that you're planning on growing? I know you said Fontenac Noir uh, for port style, uh, St. Pepin for yep. uh, ice wine. What else? There's Itasca, which is a 2016 release from the University of Minnesota. And it's supposed to make a, a white wine that's going to be really similar to a Pinot Grigio. And then also have a front. We have Marquette. Marquette. And you probably know about Marquette. It's the, it's got moderate tannins and it makes like a mid to light body red. They, and it's, it's parentage comes from Pinot Noir. We also planted um, Crimson Pearl. Crimson Pearl is supposed to have characteristics similar to almost something like Tempranillo with uh, moderate tannin structure and coloration. Should be good. We're excited about that one. And uh, Verona. Verona. Verona, we're really excited about because it's got the biggest struggle in the cold hardy grape industry is definitely tannin. And Verona is supposed to come out with, with good full tannins and low acidity. We'll have to see what kind of wine it makes. It's so new that I can't even really say it's supposed to have a wine that's mm -hmm. like X. 
We don't know anything yeah, about it. I've never, I've never heard of that varietal until you mentioned it. So it's, there's probably, there's probably not any commercially available yet. So we will see how that goes. And you planted that one already? We did. Okay. We put we this put, year. This year. So okay. it's, it's it'll be a couple <laughs> years. Yeah, we we're looking at maybe and maybe in four years we can have a tasting. Nice. Okay. You know, better, you know, um, what's that saying? Uh, slow and steady finishes the race. <laughs> Wins the race, so to speak. I, I can't remember. My brain is not quite as good as it used to be. He says, yeah, even though he's probably not really that much older than you guys are. <laughs> I'm going to say, you're probably about the same age we are. I, I'm a 1984 kid myself. What's that? I'm a 1984 child myself. 1984. We're a bit younger. We're uh, 1990 and 1993 models. Nice. Oh, yeah. Vintages. Yeah, good, good vintages all around. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I want to thank you guys very, very much for uh, popping in and uh, hanging out with me and uh, sharing... Uh, some wine uh, via Zoom over social distance. Hey, thanks for having us. It was fun. Likewise. Uh, I will let you know when uh, this cheers. gets posted. But in the meantime, cheers. Let's make America grape again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com on Instagram at at the AZ Wine Monk, or on Twitter at CV Burkett. Be sure to also check out our website, MakeAmericaGrapeAgainPodcast.com. Yes, that's right. Cheers. It was a pleasure to meet you guys. Bye. Bye.